This is Jared Fishman, and you're listening to the 20-Sided Gamified Podcast. The past 20 years, I've blended games and education together in the classroom. I'm a history teacher, a game-based learning specialist, and I serve on the board of HMGS NextGen Inc. and the North American Simulations and Games Association. I'm looking to broaden my own knowledge of game-based learning by talking to the people that do it best. Pull up a chair, get your dice ready, and enjoy the ride. All right, podcast fans. Hello, uh, this is Jared Fishman here, uh, your usual host for the show. I'm super excited, but also, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm a little drained. And as Dave Taylor already knows, since he and I have been texting pretty much all day, um, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, um, it's about a week before Astoricon. There have just been the most insane storms. Just, you know, I never thought about water as much as I have been thinking about water for the last couple of days of just literally being at home and just trying to fight the water away from my home. <laughs> so that has basically been my day. Then some tech issues. But but what is really great is I am on Zoom looking at Dave Taylor. You're not going to get to see him, but and you're not going to get to see me, but you'll definitely get a chance to hear us chat. And in a more serious note, um, so let me just give you a little bit of my own sort of personal introduction to Dave. So, all right, I do pick on Games Workshop often on this podcast, unfortunately. I don't know how David's going to feel about that. But back in the day, I mean, I played game, Games Workshop games all the time. And my friend group was heavily into Warhammer. And look, I still play a lot of those games today. Um, so back in like, it must have been 2010. This is the first time I heard Dave Taylor's name. So um, we were driving after, by the, by the way, breaking down on the way to uh, the very <laughs> last. Yeah, you could hear Dave laughing. Um <laughs> After breaking down uh, right at the kind of mouth of the GW bridge, uh, we were headed to pretty much what would end up being like the, the final games day. And this, this must have been like 2010. And once we got the car working again and got back on the road, Dave Taylor's name came up. And he's sort of this, I don't know, almost like mythic figure in a way in, in the wargaming world. Um we would always hear about Glen Burnie, which is in Maryland, which I know Dave doesn't live too far from, and that's where GW's headquarters was located. And we always heard rumors of this ridiculous painter, this real luminary sort of figure that, again, like, it's almost like watching a movie. Like, I didn't know the guy, but I felt like all of these little stories were coming up in the car about all the work that that this gentleman has done for the hobby. And I'm literally going to leave it at that because he's going to be able to tell his story far better than I am. I have Dave Taylor here who has worked for so many important uh, gaming companies. And again, it's just, it's a real honor. Hi, Dave. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> I know it was a little long winded. It's just been a really wild day. So, yep, it has. Um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I, I definitely feel for you on the, uh, the battling the water front. Yeah. Uh, it's, it can be tough uh that fight against nature. And uh, as I said in one of my texts today, it's like my biggest fear is a basement full of water. Yeah, And, and the funny <laughs> thing is, it's something I've literally never thought about. And I, that's probably speaking to my sort of privilege living in the United States or whatever, or where I live. It's like literally something I've never thought about. And until like, you know, this morning I'm like working on a um, funny thing, you know, talking about GW, uh, I'm working on this. Um, basically, 
I don't remember know if you remember this planetary empires, mighty empires. I'm okay. kind of like building like a big campaign board with hexes that are much bigger. So I'm just literally like looking at the pump, pumping the water away as yep. I'm going back and forth to work on that. So kind of right. kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. How are yep. things in Maryland, by the way? Uh, it's um, we're in uh, definitely in Maryland summer. Uh, right. Which you ever spend any time in summer in Maryland? It's uh, 110 percent humidity, um, regardless of the temperature. Uh, so there's just there's really no there's no evaporation going on, um, and usually we'll have it'll be warm in the morning, uh, followed by thunderstorms in the afternoon, uh, and then warm and humid in the evening. So there's no break. Like the thunderstorms don't bring relief. No oh, right. It sounds really un- unpleasant. I've been uh, I've been to Maryland a few times. Um, yeah. you know, it's definitely uh, enjoyable when I've been, but I've never been there. I don't think I've ever really been there in the summer, with the exception yeah. of that that time I went yeah. down to Games Day. So yeah, there was um there was one time I moved here twenty one years ago, and I think it was um I was working for Games Workshop, amusing uh, enough at the time, uh, and I left the office in the evening, and stepping outside of the air conditioning was like. It, I felt like somebody had wrapped a wet dog around my head. <laughs> I was breathing gotcha. through a wet dog. That's what it felt like. It, yeah. was, it was it was thick. It was heavy. Just imagine that, though. It's like I am. It's kind of <laughs> gross. It's a gross. <laughs> totally <visual>. gross. Yeah. <laughs> Did you move here from England? Uh, from Australia. Oh, from Australia. Gotcha. Yeah, so, there we go. I didn't. I did <laughs> not know that. Where Where in Australia are you from? Um, I'm originally from a place called Newcastle, which is mm-hmm. about uh, two hours north. It's on the east coast. It's about two hours north of Sydney. Yeah, you know what's really funny? So again, here we have another little connection. So pretty much like one of my best gaming friends, in fact, probably my best gaming friend is also Australian. And okay. he and he was also on that trip to Games Day, which right. is kind of okay. funny. Um, oh, who's, who's that? I might know. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you might. Uh, his name is Brian Dewhurst. Um, okay. He's actually a pretty ridiculous painter, but he's not. He's like a commission guy, but he doesn't um, he doesn't exactly have like an internet presence per se i kind of wish he did right. because he's really like one of the great painters that i know yeah. um so what brought you to the states was it work was it for gw or yeah it was i worked for um i started working for games workshop in 94 mm-hmm. uh, in australia um that arrived at the basically the tail end of 93 okay um and a friend of mine had started working for them one of my gaming buddies uh, and at the end of 94, I finished my, um, time at college, uh, university, whatever you want to call it. Um, and started basically the day after that, I started working for Games Workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working in retail for them there. I did two and a half years in retail. Uh, and then, um, started working in the, um, promotion studio. There, um, my college degree was uh, graphic design. Makes sense. So I was doing, um, so I got to work on posters and flyers and promotional materials and stuff like that. And then over the next five years in uh, Australia, there I uh, started to do things like running Australian Games Day and helping or creating the uh, grand tournament system that we use in Australia and uh, working with the community and. Uh, going to different events and, and hanging out and like teaching painting and talking about toy soldiers and having all sorts of fun like that. Um, working on Australian white dwarf. Um, I was there when we started, uh, printing white dwarf in Australia, which was 
Uh, very cool. I, because it was a fairly small print run at the time, we got to do our press checks at midnight um, rather than the bigger magazines that got to do them during the day. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we were, we were always run overnight. But uh, yeah, and then um, 2001, end of 2001, the, um, the US team uh, invited me to sort of come over and be a, like a special projects manager. And it was like, that sounds pretty cool. And they were like, yeah, come over, get like a three-year visa and we'll see how it goes. And uh, it was like, yeah, this is a great adventure. I get to move to the other side of the planet and <laughs> yeah. talk about toy soldiers to a whole bunch of different people. And uh, yeah, it was great. And uh, 21 years later, I'm still here. So. Yeah, so it, it must have went well <laughs> it did. If, you're, if you're still here in the States. You know, it's yeah. funny. I have such fond memories of White Dwarf back in the day. Right. Especially yep. like mid-90s, late-90s. Yeah. Um, mostly, mostly because I, I just love the articles that – really focused on like the hobby element, the painting element, but also when authors and editors would be talking about like their own armies and like building right. their own, you know, uh, building their own armies and like, you know, battle reports and things like that, you know, before it was more of like a big ad, you know, advertisement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, where, where we could um, talk about the, our own creativity, what the things that inspired us Yeah. Might be the things that inspire you, but the things that inspire you might be something a little bit different. But mm -hmm. there's, there's always something you can take away from listening to people talk about what they're passionate about. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Now, now, how, so stepping back for a second, how did you get into gaming in general? Like, wh where did that sort of start? Probably um, the very early stuff was uh, would have been D&D &D with mm -hmm. my next door neighbor and uh, a couple of other friends in like 83 uh, and then throughout high school uh, and early college, I played a lot of D and D. Um, we were playing regular, regular Friday night, Saturday sessions, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, like a lot of other people. And but then in '91, so it was my first year at college. I was uh, went to a game store in my local town and um, saw some of these miniatures that weren't directly related to D and D. I was like, oh, these are kind of interesting. I wonder what's going on here. And it, this, the store that I went to, they used to break open all of the blister packs and all of the box, the metal box sets and sold the miniatures individually. Yeah. It's um, the Wild West of yeah, <laughs> gaming. Nice. It was at the time for sure. Um, which made it a little bit easier for the college student to pick them up individually. But obviously, I was, you'd end up paying more than you would for the whole box. Right. If you couldn't afford the whole box at the time. This is the way to go. Uh, but then I saw another, um, walked down to another store that was selling um, these really cool elaborate chess sets. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, I could use those other models. I could buy those and paint them up and use them to make a chess set. Because at the time, I still had no idea what wargaming was, tabletop right. wargaming was. And uh, so I started, um, I started collecting those models and bought them two or three at a time and painted up a chess set and um, created this big elaborate sort of scene for this chess set and um, took it back into that store and said, hey, do you want to put this on display? So they put it on display there. And then uh, there was the the RTB01 box set, the plastic Space Marines, the Imperial Space Marine box set from Games Workshop. And I was like, oh, I could, I could buy that. And there's almost enough models in that to make two sides of another chess set. So I painted up two sides of another chess set, Space Marines against Space Marines. And um, then uh, the guy behind the counter was like, you've almost got enough models to start an army. 
And I was like, an army? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? What, what's going on here? He goes, well, this is all for a game called like Rogue Trader. And I was like, what? what? I, I, uh. <laughs> so he showed it to me and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and from there, like I would regularly go to his place on um, weekends to uh, join his gaming group. And he did uh, played Rogue Trader. He played Warhammer, played Napoleonics, Epic, all sorts of things. Um and so over the next couple of years, I just played more and more war games and I collected more and more models. And I was, again, as I said, I was a college student. So when I was playing Epic, I would get art card and stack it together, like glue it together and carve out vehicles. Yeah. Because I couldn't afford to buy the vehicles. No, totally. I was in Australia as well. So it's the other side of the planet from England. So everything was crazy expensive. So, um, yeah, that that's sort of where I got started, and um, it's just been a <laughs> been an obsession ever since. Yeah, that's a that's a good word. I I find like a lot of uh, gamers doesn't matter who the person is. Like there is something about being bit by the bug, you know, you know, so yeah. to speak. Um, by the way, and I mentioned it earlier, but um, I love Epic. Epic to me is like the scale that that forty k battles should be in. Right. That's my take. Okay. I don't know how you feel yeah. about it, but <laughs> um, I really loved. Uh, I I love the forty k scale of miniatures. So I love that like twenty eight mil, thirty two yeah. mil. I love the models. Um, I'm a huge fan of them. I love painting. That's my painting is my main focus. Right, right. Um, for everything. Uh, but I remember back in the day, like playing those game, epic games. They were fantastic. Yeah, they're just fun. The epic Space Marine games were just awesome. Um, I wasn't such a big fan. When they switched to like Epic 40k in like 97. Yeah. The Armageddon. Oh, uh, no, before Armageddon. Before, Even before Armageddon. that. Okay. Yeah, before gotcha. that, yeah. Yeah. So when, uh, they, they did like Epic 40k in 1997 and they, it was like you could, they changed the way that you set up your army and you could create d- little detachments that represented your 40k army. Right. Right. There. But of course, because of the scale, it was like, well, if you, Put into this detachment, you put two squads of guys and two rhinos and a land raider and a couple of dreadnoughts. That's a terrible detachment for a large scale <laughs> game, right? <laughs> right? It's like there's too much, like it's too soupy. You need, need to go back to the older things where it was like 50 space marines or seven dreadnoughts or five land raiders, that kind of thing. It was, yeah, it wasn't a, a good functional unit, I think, on uh, in a gaming sense. So I'm super curious to find out which way they're going to go with. Um, with the new stuff, release, yeah, epic later in the year. Have you seen the photos? I have, yeah. They're nice. Uh, they, I mean, they're 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 pretty sweet models for sure. Yeah, they they definitely look good. Um, and I think at the moment they're. I, I still don't have a sense of exactly which way they're going to end up going. Are they going to go all the way back to the epic space marine kind of feel, or if they're going to land somewhere around that epic forty k epic Armageddon feel? But I've got a bunch of friends who are excited regardless, and I'm like, yeah. I'm going to sit back and wait a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, you know the other tricky thing again, and it's not, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on the company, but um, <laughs> what kills me though is like, you know, every every time one of those editions came out, came out, you know, everything yep. changed just enough where it's hard to mix and match stuff, it's hard to rebase stuff, you know. That's what's yeah, kind of holding me back. Yeah, I'm probably going to get the rules, but you know, beyond that. You know, because I already have a whole bunch of stuff, so it's like sure. we'll, we'll have to see. You know, um, but I'm definitely, definitely, definitely curious. So, so yeah. you know, again, um, so just to kind of uh, bring some of that together. So it sounds like 
correct me if I'm wrong. Like you're you're more into the hobby element. Like you're more into the painting element than the playing. Would you say or? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I I really love the painting and the um, the building, the creating, the the taking a piece and, and making it your own mm-hmm. um, is is my thing. Um, there are not to say that there aren't times when I'll, I'll buy something and, and paint it sort of straight out of the box without worrying about um, deviating too far from what it what it might be. Yeah, uh, but I do really enjoy that the idea of like creating um, something that I can then, and this is the, the thing is I, I can make, I can build armies and paint armies that I may never use, mm-hmm. but I also, when I'm doing it, I, I want to have a, an idea that I could use them. Yeah. So it makes sense. The, um, I, I love the, uh, I'm not necessarily interested in the, the gaming aspect of it or the, the working through the the rules or understanding those sort of parts of it, but the the camaraderie aspect of of playing a game, standing across the table from your friends, rolling dice and pushing toy soldiers around while you're having a great time, is is a great part for me. So it doesn't matter really what game we're playing, but if I painted the miniatures for it and we're having some fun and we're rolling some dice, that's that's why I, why I want to paint the miniatures. So yeah, that totally makes that. sense. Yeah, totally, totally. Do you paint miniatures just for yourself, or do you do you paint for other other people as well? Um, a bit of both. Mostly, mm-hmm. it's, mostly it's just for myself. But I do have a few um, commission clients. Yeah, gotcha. I painted a painted a, over the years. I painted a bunch of stuff. Probably, um, I probably I think I'm around two thousand that's sorry twelve thousand thirteen thousand minis oh jeez i was like, that was gonna be <laughs> my next question so uh so like any 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 quote unquote good american like do you have them all down in the basement is that kind of kind of where that where your figures exist no that's very yeah. cool now in terms of your own collection um i mean is it mostly g w figures or or do you do you have like other collections that that you kind of have gotten into over the years most of it's UW, um, for sure. Uh, but yeah, over the years, so I've got, um, a, uh, Peninsula British army for, um, Napoleonics in, um, it's a like 25 mil scale. So yep. a lot of, uh, Perry miniatures and, uh, that sort of thing in there. Uh, I have a, uh, American Civil War, uh, army as well, uh, Union army. Uh, I've got, a whole bunch of uh, cars converted for Gaslands. Oh, that's a great uh, game. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> my is. buddies, my buddies, and I were just talking about that the other day. Like, not just necessarily that particular rule set, but there's just something. I don't know for me, like seeing the original Mad Max and Mad yeah. Max Two. Oh my God, I have. Um, do you know who Stan Johansson is? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Stan. Yeah. So funny story. So Stan. He was like a gaming buddy of my dad's in the seventies. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, um, I've always like I always liked his sculpts. His sculpts are like just so old school, and yeah. uh, all the little bits that he makes to like to convert Hot Wheels cars. Um, yeah. He's got yeah, just so much fun. You know. I, I mean, for the for the longest time, that like Stanley Hansen was was the place to go for um bikes. If you yeah, 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 bike yeah. Yeah. It was like the only place you could get. Them in yeah. that scale. In 20 mil scale. Yeah. yeah. yeah He's a yeah, good yeah. dude too. He's a wild guy. I haven't seen cool. him in a long time. Um, 
you know, I, I know that he's down in Florida. He was originally, okay. I think, from from the east, you know, like the Upper East Coast. And at some sure. point or another, I think he he moved down there. And um, and to uh, as as far as I know, he's still producing minis and he's still selling yeah. stuff, which is cool. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Um. So it sounds like you've got quite a quite a collection now with the historical miniatures. Do you have rules or companies that you're? I know you mentioned the Perry Brothers, but like, are there rules yeah. or companies that you're really fond of? So for um. I, I like stuff that's that's going to be fairly simple and straightforward. As I said, it's like I'm not personally, I'm not super interested in the minutiae of sure gaming. It's about something that's going to be very easy for us to for me to play and everybody to understand what what needs to be rolled to to do what when yeah. right. by the second turn kind of thing. You know yeah. what? It, like oh oh, the end of the game, you go oh. That's what I should have done. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want that sort of thing, that moment to occur during turn two or turn three kind of thing. Um, so there's that kind of, uh, so any, any rule systems that kind of fit that. Uh, so for the, like the my Napoleonic British, that's, um, black powder. Same with the, um, with the, uh, union troops. Uh, in my, my gaming group, we play a lot of, um, we use a lot of Osprey game. Sort of stuff. Uh, for that group, I, so I'm playing a group that we meet every other Wednesday. Oh, that's great. And, um, we play, we usually play a game for about three months. Sometimes not a single game, but we'll play a camp, mini campaigns or whatever sure. it might going to be. Uh, and so we'll decide on things like six or nine months out so that people got time to gather stuff together. So at, towards the end of last year, we played, uh, Dracula, Dracula's America. Mm hmm. Um, which is a, a cool system. Um, again, it's, it's very straightforward kind of thing. And it's once you get playing, it's easy to remember. Yeah. Um, we've got coming up, I think, in two weeks time. At the moment, we're playing Warcry from GW. And I think next Wednesday is our final game of the campaign. Cool. And then after that, we start uh, Silver Bayonet. Um, so a little bit of a Napoleonic uh, twist on Gothic Horror. Yeah, these are all great choices, by the way. I love Osprey yeah. games. Um, I had on Eric Farrington the other day. Um, he's okay. the guy who came out with uh, Men of Bronze and uh, Wars of the Republic, okay. which are two pretty pretty killer games. I've been trying to get Daniel Mercy to come on. He claims right. that he's not interesting enough, which is just an absolutely ridiculous statement. So, Daniel, if right. you're listening out there, I'm going to get you on eventually. <laughs> but I love his games, like Lion Rampant. Okay. Um, yep. What a yeah, really, really fantastic game. So it yep. sounds like you and your buddies. Um, when you guys play, is it one person who kind of puts all the miniatures on the table, or is it more like you guys each kind of get elements of the game together? It's a uh, generally we each kind of get elements of the game together. Um, there might be one person who's leading the charge on it. So they might, if there's if there are special uh, terrain requirements, they might provide a lot of the terrain. Uh, the actually when we played Dracula's America, I didn't have time to paint up my own warband. Mm -hmm. So um one of the guys in the group who's a huge fan of it, it I borrowed one of his warbands, he had got three, three or four or something like that. Yeah. Um there are there are times when people go, ah yeah, I'm, I'm that doesn't interest me at all. So I'll see you in like three months' time kind of thing. Uh so, so it's a bit of a mix each time, really. Uh but our host has a lot of terrain and yeah, we can adapt um, sort of thing. All the stuff through from ancient slash fantasy through to 
um, modern stuff. So. No, that's awesome. And this group that you have, um, are these people that you've known for a very long time, or you know, do you have people kind of coming in and out of the group? Or uh, we we do have people coming in and out of the group uh, on the odd occasion. Uh, but a lot of the a lot of these people are um, folks I used to work with at Games Workshop. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So people who are a lot of people who are originally from Maryland went and worked for Games Workshop, left Games Workshop uh, either when or just before it moved uh, operations to to Memphis. Yeah, and uh, we've just kept in touch because we enjoy each other's company and have a great time. And yeah, so. Uh, so before I ask you this next question, right? Like, sure. cause again, I, I want to try to, I know you probably, maybe you see where this is going. I'm not sure. But, um, before I ask this, I mean, do you get questions about games workshop, like ad nauseum from people? Because if that's the case, if that's a road, we don't want to go down. We don't necessarily have to go down that road. Right. Um, no, not really. <laughs> Meaning you don't, you, it's, it's a road no. you're not interested in or. Oh no, no, as in, no, no, I don't, I don't really get a lot of questions about it. Oh, uh, really? It's been a it's been a while well, quite a while since I worked there um on the third right. of the end of two thousand and eight yeah um but no generally it's about uh, I get a lot of questions about miniature painting and yeah, yeah. Uh, converting and building terrain and that kind of thing gotcha so yeah but as I said uh, like anything's open if you have any questions or, yeah sure all right well I have I, to I can, ask. Give, I can give you my viewpoint yeah no no, no I have to ask because we're gonna let's get a little controversial right so all right so let's go let's go back to so you you leave Australia. Yep. You come here to the States and again, like, you know, not to swallow your ego, but you become, you become a pretty important fixture of GW here in the States, particularly on the East coast. And again, like your name always seemed to come up anytime Maryland came up, anytime games day came up. So what was that time period like from the time that you started working there all the way up until um, GW basically left that area? Right. Um, well, there was a there were a lot of great times mm-hmm. and there were a lot of good times and there were some pretty uh pretty grim and dark times as well I guess right um the it was this, a strange sort of expansion and contraction sort of time that was going on um I like to think that that people know me because I I am super passionate about mm-hmm. what I do and um sorry and I will when I talk about painting an army I'll paint an army. I know um, there are some folks who will be like, well, here's a color scheme that I did that you can use for your army. It's like, so you painted this one guy. That's that's not an army. Yeah. <laughs> some more models. Yes. Painted another 50 models. That would be awesome. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother oh, can yes. of worms, sir, of like going into, that's what always killed me about going into comic stores and seeing like figures with no heads or arms and People having to tell you what it is, it always drove me crazy. Because remember, I come from a historical wargaming background where say what you want about the old grand yards and all that, but like yep. we paint our miniatures. Sure. You know, yep. so I get what I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, that's very definitely def- very definitely that. Uh so no, I I was super lucky. Um I got to work with a lot of other very passionate people mm-hmm. um who did uh who were deep into the hobby and like deep into painting and creating and uh, so yeah, I was there at the time when uh, the the studio, what was known as the studio, um, or no, what was known as promotions mm-hmm. um, in the US, in the US office it was promotions, um, kind of became promotion studio, and then it became there's a promotions part and a studio part, 
Um, so there was a team that were working, they were focused on um, stuff like the General's Compendium, uh, the re-release of uh, Battlefleet Gothic, and a whole bunch of very product-focused sort of aspects, but there was so much uh, hobby that went into those. So right. uh, with, it, not only was it like, here are the things you can buy, it was also like, here are the thing. Here's how you can paint the things that you've just bought. Yeah. So you can become really in, immersed in these things. Uh, and then, uh, there was the, the promotion side of stuff, which was working with White Dwarf and, um, the website, the growing website at the time, uh, right. and Black, Black Obo and a whole bunch of, uh, other things like games days and grand tournaments and, uh, all that sort of thing. And you had your hand in all of those different elements or is there one particular part of that that you just described that you focused on mostly? Uh, even though like, we had a growing team, um, there was an opportunity to be involved in all of those things. Uh, and there were also times where it was like, okay, this thing needs 20 people working on it right now. So that means everybody's working on it right now. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of those sort of situations. It was, um, it might have been, um, hey, Dave, we've got, two pages that we need to fill in the general's compendium. Are you working? You're working on a Kislev army right now. Can we take photos of your Kislev army? Sure. Here you right. Go. Um, there was a lot of, uh, it was a great sort of mix. Um, I was, I had a, when I first arrived, I was working on special projects, which was the sort of the code, I guess the code name for things like, um, uh, for creating pro uh, products and working okay. on, um, things that fell outside of the, the regular product schedule. Uh, and then after a couple of years, I was working, I was managing the promotions team. Uh, so I had a team of people like um, Jason Buyaki and Chad Mujois and um, Jake Landis who were uh, building tables for games days or building tables for uh, grand tournaments. Right, the fun stuff basically. The fun stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's exciting. I mean, again, uh, just thinking about that, it seems like a pretty pretty awesome job in a lot of ways. It was, Gran um, yeah. <laughs> Granted, we haven't got to the dark times yet, which you alluded <laughs> sure. to earlier, but. Yeah, it was, um, no, it was definitely, definitely great. Uh, There's a lot of, a lot of very creative people uh, mm -hmm. who had lots of wonderful ideas. Uh, and again, we're also very passionate about what we were doing and, um, about toy soldiers, really. Yeah, I keep saying, I keep using the word toy soldiers. I hope that doesn't offend anybody. No, uh, it, I hope it. It shouldn't. That's what they are. I, I look. I, I, that that's yeah. what I say. Like I call them toy soldiers too, because it's like, especially like if you know, let my wife and I are, are having a conversation about somebody gossiping or whatever, and yeah. anytime like I make a remark that I probably shouldn't about somebody, like maybe about yeah. something that they're interested in. I always have to stop myself and say, wait a minute, I've got like 10,000 toy, toy soldiers <laughs> down in the basement and I push them yeah. around for fun. So, so no, yeah. I, I, I use that word all the time or phrase yeah. all the time. So, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, um, so that, that's the thing we, um, we had a, had a lot of people, a lot of people who are very passionate about, um, about what we we're doing. And yeah. Pretty much at that, at that time, the, the company was, we, we were, just a, a lot of young guys who are really excited to be doing cool, crazy stuff with toy soldiers. So. Yeah. Which is so, yeah. um, I don't know what the right word would be, but maybe uplifting because again, like right. I I've talked to enough people, um, kind of in, in the GW machine as of right. late. 
I don't really necessarily always hear that sentiment, you know? So I'm hearing that sentiment from you about the creativity of that time period, but also the very first person I even ever had on this podcast was Rick Priestley. And he was kind of telling some of his own sort of stories about like how he got involved and your stories sound pretty darn similar. Like what excited him was like, Thinking up the idea of like Warhammer, thinking up the idea of, you know, you know, some of the places that would end up becoming the lore that we all kind of yep. almost sometimes probably think is real on some level, you know. <laughs> so it's 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 really interesting, you know, you know, comparing, you know, some of his comments to yours, you know. The same passion, yep. I guess, is what I'm trying to say is sort of there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um but yeah, so I, I think should, should we should we slide towards the dark times? Well, hold on, before we slide to the dark times, <laughs> sure. Well, for my audience out there that may have never been to a games day, is yep. there again? This is a big ask, but yep. is there a way that you could kind of encapsulate what a games day was like sure. for somebody who may have never been there? And by the way, for our audience, you know, before before we get into this, just, I guess I'll, I'll start just by saying, just imagine a gigantic gaming convention that is essentially devoted, not just to games workshop products, but just the games workshop community. That's how I would phrase just to kind of get the ball rolling. Yeah. So go for it. So, uh, yeah. So in an enormous hole in a convention center somewhere, uh, there are certainly the, the, this is based on the, the way that we ran it for the, in the U S um, you would have uh, a lot of gaming tables set up uh, that were Games Workshop provided. So these tables would have um, to be fully sculpted, uh, different theme, different setting for each one. There would be armies provided and you would step up and play a game. Uh, you and five or six other people on the same side, you'd have a unit, you'd have a model, whatever it might be, you'd, you'd play games. Um, there would be club games so there would be gaming clubs from um particularly like so for baltimore it'd be up and down the east coast uh those clubs would be invited to bring a table along and it could be a standard game it could be a crazy setup it might be a um sort of a king of the hill kind of arrangement uh but there'd be some sort of gaming going on with the gw within the gw theme uh there might be tournaments being played uh there might there would be demo games of different um, gaming systems being played. Uh, there would be an enormous store, surprise, surprise, oh, yeah. uh, where you could buy all the Games Workshop stuff that you wanted to. And in the US, when we had um, metal production going on, there would be bits. You could yes. buy metal bits. That by was by <laughs> far the coolest part, especially if you're out there and you... See, here's it's hard to even explain this because yes. in the world in which we live in, with the internet and just literally being able to click a button and just having something, yep. just getting to wait many, many moons and just putting your little list together of what heads you need and what arms you need and conversions that you want to do. So if you're a painter out there and you love to kit bash, this yep. was like Mecca essentially or whatever yep. religion you believe in, like whatever that central place is, it's kind of kind of what it, what it was like. I'm Absolutely. stealing your thunder, by the way. Apologies. <laughs> no I'm just worries. excited because I'm remembering <laughs> back to what it was like, you know. Yep. Yep. No, they're they're all that that sort of thing. There was um, I was gonna say there, so Forge World would have been there. So um, selling resin. Uh, there was Black Library selling the books and uh, having author signings, that kind of thing. Um, there might be a mega battle. There might be three different mega battles. Um, there might be. Uh, 
for a couple of years. I think there was a like full size um, Imperial Guard Chimera transport vehicle that had been built out of plywood, um, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, there would be speed painting. Uh, and this is the speed painting where you get to sit down and, and for 20 minutes you paint a model. Right. But every, every five minutes something switches and it could be you end up painting a model wearing while you are wearing, um, oven mitts. Right. Or you might only be able to use the, the wooden end of the paintbrush or all, all sorts of things, but lots of fun. Um, uh, and there was the golden demon painting competition, uh, as well. And there's probably, um, which is it's still one of the the most prestigious painting competitions in the world, and yeah, uh, there would be all sorts of other crazy activities. So it was one one year we had uh, the Ogre Olympics. Um, so it was shortly after the Ogre Kingdoms book first came out, so probably like two thousand and three, two thousand and four, uh, and I got uh, some of those small foam uh, like Nerf football mm-hmm. kind of things. Uh, and I stitched a, I got some fabric and I stitched some noblars. I, I basically sewed up some noblars. So <laughs> noblars were like the, the goblin, um, uh, friends or helpers for the, the ogres. And I stitched these together. And because in one of the books it talked about ogres having, uh, noblar punting competitions. So I made two of those so you could punt these noblars across <laughs> the games day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So all sorts of crazy things like that. Um, Games Workshop still has a uh, Armies on Parade event. Uh, that was created 90, oh, sorry, in 2009 or 2010 by uh, John Schaefer, who's a friend of mine who I had the privilege of working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the first one of those was at Games Day Baltimore, probably 2010, um, which was fantastic and Games Workshop in like the UK office picked it up and ran with it. Yeah. Uh, so they've been doing that almost every year since. And, uh, yeah. So also it's all manner of different things that you could do, activities you could participate in that were all about having fun with Games Workshop's intellectual property, really. Yeah. So different ways that you could do that. Um, and typically that would be a day <laughs> or, yeah. uh, in, in the, Late nineties, early two thousands. It was two days in Baltimore, um, but uh, most around the rest of the world, uh, most games days were a day. Yeah, a lot to pack into a short period of time. Yeah, especially yeah. if you compare it to some of the other larger cons nowadays. Yeah, definitely. You know? I, I mean, compared to Adepticon, for example, um, which is four or five days. Yeah, you could, you could easily comfortably fit in a lot of stuff in in those five days. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you um? Not to change the subject, but um, yep. do you attend a lot of those types of cons, like uh, whether it's a Historicon or an Adepticon or or conventions like that? Uh, typically three or four, maybe five a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go to Historicon every year. I'll be there next week. Uh, I go to Adepticon every year. Um, very much so because um, at Adepticon, I've met a lot of fantastic people mm-hmm. that I only get to see each year we, we talk online all the time, right? but we only get to see them physically and, and give them a hug at, uh, Adepticon every year. So yeah, I, I'd never miss Adepticon. Uh, and, uh, Nova open, uh, there's one down here. Um, used to be in Northern Virginia, but yep. now it's, uh, this year it's going to be in DC proper. 
Uh, That's a good one. I've always heard really good things about that uh, tournament. Yeah, definitely. Um, loads of great, um, loads of great gaming tournaments, and yeah. uh, I I run the painting competition there. Oh, I did not know. Uh, well, that. I, I say they run I, myself and Dan Athanasor uh, run the painting competition there. He does all the back end stuff, and I coordinate all of the judging. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, and is there open gaming at Nova, or is it just strictly more like tournaments and stuff like that? It's probably ninety five percent tournaments, but yeah. uh, but there there are opportunities for open gaming. But yeah, yeah, uh, and they, there's a whole range of um, to gaming that goes on. Most of it's sort of fantasy or sci fi kind yeah, of focused, yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely a lot more outside of the GW realm than uh, yeah. from when it first started. So when you get out to these cons nowadays, um, I don't know, people probably can't see me doing the air quotes, but are you kind of like <laughs> working? Are you working at them or is it more like, you know, you're kind of going to have fun and have a beer and, you know, play games or somewhere a, in the middle? That's a great question. I try. Um, I try to ask good questions. That's what they, that's what they pay me the big bucks for, except nobody pays awesome. me. So. Oh, that's a shame. That's it's a, a labor shame. of love, but yeah. who knows? You never know. Maybe, maybe this, this podcast will go viral at some point and maybe our lives will change. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's always a mix. Um, okay. Yeah. I think uh, it's always a mix of that. There are, Times like uh, so, Adepticon this year. Uh, I wanted to help out my friend Damon, who runs the um, hobby seminars area. Uh, and this was the first year that like previously it, it's always been kind of, oh yeah, I'll swing by and help out for a couple of hours, kind of thing. Um, this year is like, okay, we're, we're we're scheduling everybody so that we make sure we've got coverage across the whole thing. So I scheduled right. myself for like three, three or four, five hour shifts or something like mm -hmm. that. So I spent a lot of time in that area. Um, at Nova, the judging takes place for the painting competition. The judging takes place on the Saturday night um, after about six o'clock. I have about four or five hours to judge all the um, entries. So outside of that, there'll be times when I'm walking around doing nothing. There'll be times when I'm walking around promoting Nova. There'll be yeah. times when I'm walking around promoting Dave Fellow Miniatures. There'll be times when I'm walking around just try to find a quiet spot to relax and gotcha. have a coffee or something like that. Gotcha. So yeah, it, it always varies. Um, Historicon, I'm going to be covering that for War Games Illustrated. Mm -hmm. um, so 2009 to 2013, end of 2013, I worked for War Games Illustrated and uh, would cover a lot of conventions for them. And I kept doing that for... Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. So... Yeah, years ago, years ago, I had a couple articles in War Games Illustrated, and I think you and I had exchanged emails, but for some reason, like, we couldn't make it happen. Like, because I, I remember you were a bit of a drive. I ran the big uh, yep. Borodino game at my school, uh, Hackley. Yep. And, I think, yeah. yeah. I think that, that weekend, we had a huge storm come through. I think you're, I'm like, pretty sure you're right. Of trees, and it was, yeah. So... If again, I'm literally thinking of this on this on the fly. If my yep. memory serves me right, we almost had to cancel the event because it was it was on a Saturday morning and we got blasted with snow. And it was funny because the kids, even though Bordino, um, you know, it, it it's nowhere near the you know the the horrifying Russian winter. I just sure. remember a lot of kids finding it very funny, <laughs> like they're almost like very fitting, you know, yeah. that that we were playing that game. Um, 
So and so so backing up for a sec. So you've been yep. working with War Games Illustrated probably for what like ten years, maybe uh, less or more. Or? So it'll be more now. Um, yeah, so fourteen and a half, fifteen years, something like that. Uh, yeah, when I when I left Games Workshop at the end of two thousand and eight, um, shortly after that, I got a call from uh, John Matthews uh, who spent a lot of time. Uh, he used to work for Games Workshop. He's also spent a lot of time uh, with Battlefront miniatures. And he just recently retired, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so lucky him. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, uh, more time the game. Huh, yeah. I hope. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but he gave me a call and was like, hey, Dave, um, what, what are you going to be doing work I said, I'm not sure, not real sure at the moment. And he goes, how's your history knowledge? And I said, oh, I, this is a really interesting question. You're, there's always a purpose behind your questions, John. Sure. Um, so <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, my, my breadth of knowledge is great. I think you could like, particularly based on military history. Mm-hmm. Uh, my depth wasn't particularly good at the time, um, but I said, "Yeah, yeah, you could like give me a year, and I could tell you, I could probably tell you a battle that occurred within like ten years of that date." Mm-hmm. And uh, then the a month or two later, he was like, "Okay, so we've just announced it that uh, Battlefront has just bought War Games Illustrated. Would you be our like U.S. guy for the magazine?" Um, you'll be working with Dan Falconbridge uh, in the UK and Dan's team. And I was like, that sounds great. It's kind of in my wheelhouse. It's, uh, yeah. it's graphic design. It's um, taking pictures and text and putting them together and to pages. And yeah. Uh, and it's, it's still wargaming, but it's also I, something new that I'd be able to do. So yeah, it's a, a beautiful magazine. magazine. Yeah. It's a yeah. beautiful magazine. Sorry to speak over you, but yeah, I'm it's a really beautiful good. magazine. Like, cause I just compare it to some of the stuff from my childhood, like my dad collecting like the old courier magazine, you know, and right. not to say those were awesome tomes that that's the best word I can use to describe them. But, you know, um, the magazines, particularly the one that you work for now, it's just on, on a different level, you know, right. I, you know, just because of um, the art that sort of goes into it, the quality of the photos and, and everything quite, quite awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when I started working on it, uh, in 2008, I think Dan had been working on it for 12, 13 years, mm-hmm. um, and had a fantastic, um, really, oh, uh, uh, Duncan McFarlane was still involved at the time. Um, Duncan would do all the proofreading. Yep. Uh, but Dan and Duncan had obviously had a, a huge, um, sort of set of resources really in the U, particularly in the UK, um, as far as, uh, people that they could call on and say, Oh, we're doing something in this, this genre. So uh, let's drive 45 minutes down the motorway and right. uh, <laughs> take some photos with this guy. Um, we didn't really have that opportunity. Um, not, not name, not opportunity, but that, that ease mm-hmm. in the U S sure. Um, where it's like, Oh, so-and-so has got this. They're only, Oh, look, six hours flight away. Okay, mm-hmm. great. <laughs> let's go. Let me jump right. on the Gotcha. Like my cameras and stuff. Um, but conventions were the place where I could then go and like meet people and mm-hmm. get a, get an idea of who was doing what. Um, and, uh, just start talking to people and, and build those inroads for War Games Illustrated. Yeah. Um, would you say that that's kind of like your primary gig? Oh, no. 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 So that's no, more no. of like a passion project, would you say? Or, um, yeah, so I, I worked full time for Wargames Illustrated for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 
at the beginning of 2014, I started uh, Dave Taylor Miniatures. Okay. It's a business. Uh, so, uh, and the, the idea there is um, working in toy soldiers and in the industry, you get to see a lot of people who can do things really well, do five or six things really well. And then there's a couple of things that they're, they're missing. Yeah. And if they, they could just do that, their business would sort of yeah. move forward. Um, I mean, there's so many businesses that are, that are one, two person, um, three person businesses. Yeah. Uh, so I started Dave Taylor Miniatures to be able to do, um, provide services for all the things that I could do. So graphic design, editing, writing, photography, painting, hobby content, um, all that kind of, kind yeah. of stuff. When I perused the website earlier, it almost read to me, and I mean this as a compliment, it, it almost felt like a consulting gig, like yeah. in, in the sense of like, yeah, like in the sense of if a company or a person or a group of people are struggling in a particular area, you can use the expertise that you've built over what, the last 30 years? 30 Maybe. years, yeah. Yeah. So is that is that an accurate yeah, basically, basically that is. Yeah. No, that's cool. There, there are things. Um, I, I'm not always going to get everything right, uh, but I can certainly provide my perspective on yeah. um, on different things. Uh, but yeah, so that that's that's really what I've done for the last um, nine years, I think. Uh, and yeah, having that, you know, to focus on it, again, it's all toy soldiers. It's because that's what I'm passionate about, and right. I'd love to hear about things that are going on. I love to ask people questions about their businesses, what they're doing, why they're doing it a particular way, um, what they think about the next big thing, whatever mm-hmm. it might happen to be, um, why they're keen on it, why they're not keen on it. Yeah. Um, so then I can pass all that information that I gather onto um, clients as, yeah, in a, yeah. In a consulting kind of role. Yeah. So, so on that note, um, where do you feel like the hobby's heading and how do you kind of feel about it? I know that's a very big question. It's sure. just, it, it just seems even with my work with next gen, yep. it's like, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up as a kid, it's like gaming was something I rarely talked about it unless I was very close to somebody only because right. it was so niche. Whereas now, I mean, I don't know. Like I, 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 I think I could say it this way. Like you have to kind of be under a rock to not know what Warhammer is. Like I find that most people either know what Warhammer is or know what Magic: The Gathering is. They certainly know what D and D is because yeah. of Stranger Things. Yeah. Um. So I don't. So what's your take? Like, how do you feel about where where the whole genre is sort of heading? I think. Um, yeah, that's a. It's a big question, so feel free to take whatever direction you want with it. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're good. You're good. Um, it is a big question, uh, and my thoughts on that may not be super accurate, but um, I think that sometimes we have uh, – so perception um, Perception can sometimes become reality for us, um, and so for those of us who, who spend a lot of time in wargaming and talking about wargaming um, – it can sometimes feel like, yeah, there are a lot of people who all of a sudden you feel like all of a sudden everybody knows about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're still very small. Mm-hmm. I think we're still very niche. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things where board games are more easily understandable. Um, people are, it's easier to grasp 
for people to grasp what's going on with a role playing game. Yeah. Um, even if it's so you sit around with like pen and paper and you you talk about being dwarves. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what we do. Um, uh, at least that's what I did when I role played. No, no, uh, no, for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I feel I feel like we have uh, my roommate in college yep. when we would play D and D, yeah, or Vampire the Masquerade. We would be in the middle of an important scene, and he would just sort of run out, and he would run around pretending he was a goblin. So I mean, I, like it's yeah. the same. Yeah, it's, yeah we all sure. probably have the same story, you know. Yeah, um, but there are. Uh, we always always talk about barriers to entry and mm-hmm. trying to lower barriers to entry. Um, role playing is the, the barrier to entry is lining up like five or six people to get together on the same evening. Right. Uh, once you can do that, everything else is pretty straightforward. Can be pretty straightforward. You don't need to have a lot of stuff. Um, board games. It's the same sort of thing, but somebody's going to bring a board game. Or maybe right. two people will bring a board game and you'll play both of them in the evening. Miniature wargaming is much more involved. So I think there's a, a lot of people who might hear about it or see it and go, oh, so you're pushing little toy soldiers around. So you just buy them like that? Well, no, you buy them in pieces and you glue them together and you spray them and you paint them. And oh, oh, okay. It's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot yeah. to do. So it's, um, a lot of people sort of stop at that point. That's they've heard enough. This sounds like too much work. And it's like that's okay, that's cool because it's a it is a hobby, and it's like we talk. I used the word obsession before, and we talk mm-hmm. about that, whatever that hook is that gets into us that makes us want to sit down and spend countless hours painting thousands of models so that we can play a cool battle with our friends. Uh. So I think that the the volume, the number of people that we can bring into the hobby is is going to be smaller than some of the other major gaming groups because there are people who are just going to go who might be fantastic and and love it, but they just can't get past that barrier. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of companies whose livelihood livelihood is based on how many new people they can get into <laughs> miniature wargaming. Uh, you'll see there's a lot of focus on smaller games, skirmish games, yep. uh, setting games that require 10 or 12 models rather than 150 models. Um, so at the moment, everything, well, I say at the moment, probably for the last 10, 12 years, everything has been moving towards a skirmish focus. Uh but of course, there are those of us who still love those big battles where we can put those 150 models on the table, um, or we can do it in an epic version yep. where it's shrink everything down. But uh, so I think we're still going to see another 10 years of that sort of skirm- working down that skirmish path, right? Uh, before perhaps the the pendulum starts to swing in a slightly different way or it starts to come back yeah. towards people getting together and finding enjoyment in larger gaming. Again. Yeah. You know, it's super um, interesting. So it's like thinking about that, your take on that, it it makes sense as to why, if you look at like Warlord Games, for example, yep. um, going with that sort of 10 or 12 millimeter scale, you know, you know, miniatures All where... Right. 
Yep. You know, you can play a very large war game for not uh, an exorbitant amount of money if you were doing it in 25s and you're doing it probably on a six by four table. You know, yeah. so all of those new lines that have sort of been coming out, you know, I will, I'll be curious to see if other, well, actually, I mean, we could probably answer that now. I mean, Games Workshop is going back in that direction, you know, given that they're yep. re-releasing the Epic stuff. Now, granted, you know, their bread and butter has always been the main games, but it's still yeah. interesting that they are kind of coming out with the smaller scale stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see whether the, um, see how that continues. As you said, yeah, with, with Warlord releasing the, um, their Epic Battles stuff, the Epic stuff coming from, uh, GW, seeing where, how, um, I think uh, Battlefront are starting to sort of turn back to the Vietnam era. Yep. And seeing where how that the the smaller scale from major man, like large manufacturers, see how that impacts everything else um, as we fall out to smaller manufacturers around the around yeah, the yeah totally. See, um, so yeah, just to see what that does. Yeah. So, so I think. Yeah. Oh no! Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. And I was going to say, um, but I think that uh, that for the next five or ten years, those those companies that focus on being able to game at a smaller scale, like not sorry, not necessarily a smaller figure scale, but smaller number of models. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was talking before about uh, our gaming group doing um, Dracula's America or. Uh, Silver Bayonet or Frostgrave or that kind of thing. And so you can end up with people, if you have gaming groups that are doing things like that, you know, with people who all of a sudden got a, a start of a collection in a whole bunch of different genres or um, time periods or whatever it happens to be. And at some point, somebody's going to go, you know what? I'm going to expand that. Yeah. I need more. more. That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or I'm for my um, Silver Bayonet. Uh, forces uh, and doing it with the uh, retreat from Moscow uh, mm -hmm. from the, the Perry's range. And it's like, I don't need to, I don't need four, like four guys in sort of March order with their overcoats wrapped around them. I need one of those. Right. But I can only buy them in a box of four. Right. And I need one from that box and one from that box and one from that box. Oh, it looks like I've almost got an army anyway. Yeah, right. To get right. these get these ten models, I've just bought forty. So I may as well just buy another forty, right? No, no, totally makes sense. Make some bigger units. Yeah. And and spread it. So um I think it's it's important to keep showing people what you can do. Uh but I expect that most companies will be focused on smaller iterations of gaming. Um over the next five, 10 years. That's my, that's my prediction. It's, yeah, no, I, I think it's probably pretty, it's maybe fairly obvious to people and a fairly safe prediction, but yeah, no, but I, but yeah. regardless of how safe it is, I think that there's a lot of truth to what you're talking about. You know, I mean, again, you know, looking at games like bolt action, looking at games like saga, yep. um, all of which I think, and, and maybe this will sort of tie in. I'll be curious to see if this sort of ties into the quote unquote dark period that you mentioned <laughs> earlier, but it's just interesting. You know, you have so many amazing people leave GW and they all, go and they start other companies and they start doing other things and 
I don't know. For me, it's like you start noticing that a lot of companies are using that same model, even Battlefront, you know, with the, to me, the most genius idea of genius ideas of going in the direction of Team Yankee, because you can just make so many different types of miniatures and you're not as limited. Whereas, you know, compared with some other historical miniature, you know, gaming companies where it's like, You know, it's one thing for GW. It's like how many iterations here? I'll I'll complain for a second. How many <laughs> how many iterations of a Carnifex has there been? Right. You know, since since the nineties, and people will just buy the new one over and over and over again. That's a little bit harder if you're a company like Warlord Games, right? Yeah. Like, there's only so many ver- weird versions of like the Sherman tank that you can produce. You know? Yeah. So. Yes. No, exactly. It is a it is a lot tougher, and I'm, and I'm sure like Battlefront have been finding that over the their series of like mm-hmm. releases, and it's like okay, so do we start at early war again, or do we start where do we start? Do we start late war? Do we and they go back and they have to reiterate um, yep. Stalingrad, and they have to reiterate Berlin, and yep, with new rules, the bulge, right. and and that kind of thing. It's like. Okay, so what else are you releasing alongside this? Because the miniatures are where you're going to make your money, not not the books. But right, um, it's that. Yeah, it's it's much more difficult in that sort of situations. But as you say, um, something like Team Yankee, where you've got that freedom to to go. You know, they probably would have created this too. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> right, not right. just my leopards. It's my leopards plus. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I like that game a lot, actually. Team Yankee. Okay, cool. It's it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think it's a just my own personal take. Like big tank battles in fifteen millimeter. Unless you have a giant table, it always looks a little bit out of scale. In the same way that, like, right. again, I don't know how you feel about GW now, but like, I kind of like cringe like when I go to the local game club and see people playing, you know, forty k with these much larger miniatures on a much smaller table and it's just like a, a swirling mass of people i don't know it's right. for me it's it just looks a little funny so when i sure. play team yankee um i actually do it in six mil or three okay. mil which yeah. uh, i don't know it just feels a little bit better scale wise so right, right now. yeah 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 for sure so so the dark time I know we're, we're coming. We're coming to the end of. Uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast. So it right. it gives us both not that much time to get in any trouble. Right. Um, okay. That sounds. All right. Good. So what happened? So so if if again, if you don't mind, I know I haven't yep. even asked you a single question about painting, which I know is lunacy. So which means you'll come on again at some right. point, okay. so we can have a specific talk about painting. Yeah. But tell me what happened. Like we well, um, not even necessarily what went wrong, but just like what. What happened with you and GW? Well, I think um, I, not just, I, I won't talk about just me, but um, sure. I think, uh, so GW went through a, a large expansion period in the uh, early 2000s. Um, a lot of that based on the uh, success of um, like Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, the Lord of the Rings um, game and the popularity from the um, movies, uh did a whole bunch of stuff in the, the UK with, uh, part works, um, the part works format. Uh, so things were really super successful. So during that period, the company had a lot of money and there was a lot of growth and a lot of exploration and, um, experimentation. Uh, and I, mean, there were times when in the US they were talking about, um, okay, in the next five years, we're going to open 200 stores, which is, What's that? Forty stores a year, so 
three and a half stores a month. Right. And to do that, to create the stores that they had, like 200 more of the, the same sort of format or same field stores that they had, that's 600 people you needed to train and give them the, the same sort of um, indoctrination, really, for a better word. I want to lack of a better word yeah. uh, right now uh, into the culture of running a games workshop store. Uh, so that was going to be amazing to see how that how they did that. But um, 2004, 2005, things slowed down a lot because there was there wasn't another Lord of the Rings movie in the theaters. Uh, so being a public company, there's always a um, the shareholders are always going to look at something and say, "Hey, what's going on? What you were great the last three years? You had like double digit growth. Why is it only like single digit growth now?" Mm-hmm. Um, or you had 30% growth. Why is it only 12%? Uh, 12% is still fantastic growth, but right. not compared to what it, what it had been. Um, so the, from that point, probably 2005, 2006, uh, there were a lot of layoffs started to happen um, and plans began to contract again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there were times where passionate people who had given their all for the last 10 years were uh, invited to leave the company uh, purely because there was, there wasn't the the revenue stream that was coming through. Right. Um, so it was tough for a lot of people um, who were there, still there. It was like all of a sudden, like three of your workmates didn't show up. <laughs> like, right. Along and along there, they're taking their desks away. And probably sold them to, <laughs> but um, right. It was uh, the so the dark times were basically about everybody sort of hunkering down and not trying that experimentation, not sticking your head above the um, above the trenches because it's like oh you could be next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha. So it was a fairly uh, sort of interesting time that we then but we still had to do things like grand tournaments and games days and work out ways that they could be done for less money and, um, or they could make more money or whatever it happened to be. It became very much more a commercial focus, um, at, at our level in that, um, sort of promotions realm yeah, uh, and events realm and that kind of thing. So, um, I know it, similar sort of things were going on in the UK. We're going on in different places around the world. Um, previously there'd been a, so each country that had a white dwarf magazine had a team that worked on it. So it might've been three or four people. Um, so a lot of European countries, so Germany, um, Italy, France, Spain, um, all had their own white dwarf teams who would translate the white dwarf that came from the primary studio in Nottingham and add their own information on in right. there. And, over that period between like 2006 to 2010, almost all of those people were canned and they pulled everything back to the center. They became very centrally focused. And, um, the, the joy that we had in those early days in the like early 2000s where we could do whatever we wanted and just have a lot of fun with it. And as long as we're promoting, um, the hobby. 
just wasn't wasn't really there so that's what i mean sort of by the the dark times yeah no for sure it it sounds it sounds dark i get what you mean yeah and uh so two th- like in around 2010 2011 um 2012 was when gw started pulling back on what they had done on social media and sort of got rid of the forums and all that kind of thing um and became everything became very closed so that when they made moves like uh, blowing up the old world, Warhammer, so they could replace it with um, Age of Sigma. Yeah. Uh, there was no information about that. There was no um, interaction with the company about it. And so a lot of people were very salty about that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know myself, I was super salty because I'd spent 20 odd years collecting thousands of miniatures and had over a thousand Empire soldiers that now we're no longer part of the game yeah it's like uh, well they did that with other things too i mean it's not even just that like they you know to make a buck um, sure yeah but in um probably like so 20 probably 2016 20 late 2015 2016 probably primarily because of the reaction i think to age of sigma um uh they started to re re-engage with the community uh and build a um a great sort of feeling around that warhammer community yeah sort of aspect um so a lot of that le- was led by uh andy smiley who had previously been a um the black library author but is super passionate again about Okay, so workshops intellectual property and an approach and right that kind of thing and i think andy's now leading the StoryForge team. Yeah. Um, so anything that comes out of their Netflix deal or working with Henry Cavill is going to be yeah. sort of touched by Andy Smiley, um, which is great. So they, they were able to re-engage, which to me shows that the important, the reason that we do all of these things and that the success, the incredible success they've had since then. Yeah. Um, it's been amazing that the, the important thing is that it's the way that we interact with people um in what the wargaming hobby the wargaming community that is the most important thing yeah that is very noticeable i i will say again like i i can i can pick at at gw um with the best of them but one thing i will never say is um that they don't care about um the people that are buying their products i think they do and i think they have gotten a lot better whether i don't know how far back you want to go but um you definitely are are seeing some passion. It seems like they care about what their miniatures look like, and I think they care yeah. about you know the the people that are that are buying. Like even even in as far as like, without getting too deep into minutia, I mean, just around. Yeah. It sounds like actually around the time that you left is roughly when I stopped playing, and it okay. was just the amount of codexes that would come out in which you had to convert models in order to make certain units. And then the unit wouldn't be in the codex after the fact. And even just the kind of scale creep that you would see where you would buy an army and it would be literally useless when the next book came out, you know, for, for yep. different reasons. I don't know if I see that happening as much anymore. And again, I don't play, but yep. um, it seems things are a bit more balanced now. I don't know if if, yep. if you would agree with that, but... Yeah, no, I think um, I think so. I personally, as a converter, I I'm on the the loss of those units that I would have to convert to yeah. use them. But that's just me. Um, I completely understand why <laughs> why uh, it's 
is perhaps a more appropriate way. But uh, certainly like in the late 90s, early 2000s, the the way that they created models and created rules and created the law all occurred around the same time. Yeah. Um, so there'd be some, there'd be a project lead and that project lead would bring the other heads of those sort of three departments or f- four departments if they had art in there as well. And they would sit around and they would brainstorm and they would create the thing and create, talk about, they basically create the path that they were, everybody was then going to go and take and then everybody would go off and do their thing and then bring yeah. it all back together. Um, probably I think in the around 2010, 2011 as well is when they switched that up and said, they'd always said like miniatures is the focus of the company. Right. Uh, and I think 2010, 2011 is when they said, we keep saying this, but we're not running the business like that. Um, so from then it was, somebody might have an idea about, Oh, okay. What if we did um, something that was just focused on chaos and chaos followers and whatever? Okay, so let's have a project where we've got 12 sculptors and they're each going to create a chaos warband. They're going to create like 10, 12, 15, 20 models each. And they went and did that. Mm -hmm. And six years later, they they... well, basically, then they're, everybody comes together and goes, okay, these, these all look fantastic. We love how that looks. We love how that looks. Those guys, they're going to become the new chaos marauders for the next chaos army that we release. Right. Let's take these six and let's create Warcry. And it's going to, and let's give it to this team to decide what the setting is. Yeah. So this team then creates the setting based around the miniatures. And this team over here creates the art based around the miniatures. Um, and then, they're like, okay, well, we've got these three guys here left over. And we have these three guys here. And we've got these, these other ones. Well, let's, let's create a game called Underworlds. Mm-hmm. And again, this team over here create goes, okay, what models do we have to work with? We've got these three. We've got these seven skeletons. We've got these four orcs. And they create a game around those miniatures that they've got. Yeah. That's so fascinating. My, yeah. Yeah. So my understanding now is that they, there's a, a big wall somewhere in GW where when the miniatures are finished being sculpted, they go up on the wall <laughs> and then the management team can come along and go, okay, well, let's put that here. Let's make that into this product. So they're being made not as miniatures for Warcry or miniatures for Underworlds being made as Warhammer models. Yeah. These models are Warhammer models. What are we, where are we going to put them? Yeah, it's it's so, a it's a, we, it's a weird concept. Honestly, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to be yeah, yeah. I'm going to be awake at night pondering this because it's almost like I don't know art imitating art. I I don't know what it's, right it's a, like it's a super weird thing. It's it's just it's not the way that we expect things to yeah to flow. To work. So it's almost like the idea has to come from what the miniature looks like. It's like looking at a piece of artwork and then having to create a story or a game or a concept around it, which is really interesting. Yeah, or or it might be that because I, I think they, that sometimes there is the genesis of the, of the idea where it could be like, okay, you six guys go and sculpt 20 models each that are a chaos thing. Take a very specific path. Um, and I'm sure there are, it, it's not just go and have fun, come back in six months with your 20 models. It's, right. it's going to be processes along the way, but 
broadly speaking, it's not like, okay, well, we have to make sure that this guy has two swords and we have to make sure that this guy has one sword and a shield. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just make them and then we'll we sort can, the details out later. <laughs> yeah. You, you can rewrite the rules however many times you like, but if you've got a fantastic model, we shouldn't have to change the model to match rules. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Very, yeah. very interesting. Um, so Dave, here's the thing. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Um, we're, we're, <laughs> we're running short on time. Yep. Um, and I, I'm definitely, as we talked about before, we actually got on to record. Uh, you'll have to come on again because I know that like a, you know, I've got teachers that are listening and I've got gamers that are listening. I definitely have artists that are listening too. So at some point or another, we'll have to have you back on to talk more about, you know, like the actual hobby, the painting that you do. Sure. Um, but it, just to kind of wrap up, I mean, so what, what are you working on currently or what are you, what are some things that you're kind of moving towards in terms um, of like the next few months or next year or? The, the big thing that I'm doing at the moment, um, is it's part of Dave Taylor miniatures is mm -hmm. I'm doing, um, I'm publishing, I'm publishing books. Oh, uh, cool. Is my, um, kind of focus for that, uh, at the moment. So five years ago, I, um, self-published a book uh called armies legions and hordes yep um, which is all about my approach to army projects or big gaming projects that kind of thing um again helping people overcome hurdles or get past those barriers knock down the doors so they can go and finish projects because yeah. the sense of accomplishment you get when you when you finish a project is as you know amazing oh yeah it's oh, awesome. awesome you see it all laid out on the table and you're just like oh Yes. What am I going to do next? Um, so I did that, uh, kickstarted that book and published that book. The following year, I did a book with um, Mel Bowes, the terrain tutor mm -hmm. uh, from YouTube. He, uh, so a book called Terrain Essentials. Um, so it takes, basically distills his like 30 plus years of um, terrain building experience into a, a big tome, um, the big green book. Uh, and everything along all the steps along the way sort of build on each other. So mm -hmm. the things you're learning, if you want to build the stuff towards the end of the book, you got to work your way through the book kind of thing. Uh, two years after that, I started um, a series called uh, the art of, I had a lot of fun working with Mel. So the opportunity to work with other miniatures, artists, um, painters, converters, people who love creating wonderful miniature art, um, so I've started working with, with that. So each year since then to 2001, 2002, 2003, I've, uh, kickstarted three books each year. Um, so at the moment I'm putting together volumes seven, eight, and nine mm -hmm. from, uh, one of them is Eric Swinson, who's a U.S. artist, uh, Yanni Dali, who's an artist from the Faroe Islands and, uh, Katarzyna Gorska who's from Poland. Um, and next year I'll have another three and the year after I'll have another three. Um, it's just a fantastic, way to work with people and create books that are unique to those individuals and their sort of art style. Uh, and then just recently I, um, worked on a book called, uh, the Tre tremendous tome of deco. Uh, no, sorry. Tremendous tome of Epic dungeons. <laughs> oh, uh, great, great title. Yeah. It was, uh, it's, I worked on it with my, uh, with my buddy, Jeff Hall. Uh, he, you know, I, uh, he is a huge, um, role player and, and game master and loves 3d creating 3d dungeons for his um, players to sort of work through. So that book is, it's kind of like a coffee table book for mm -hmm. um, 
miniature dungeon layouts. Yeah, super cool. And for that, we we worked with 20 different people from around the globe um, that we found on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook groups or that kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, just worked to create something that the idea is like you can look through game masters, players, whoever can look through it and be inspired to go and do something cool themselves, something different, something exciting. So um, that's that's the kind of thing that I'm that I'm focused on now is is working towards that kind of building a publishing empire. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The more, <laughs> the more that you talk, the more that I'm thinking of all the different ways that. Uh, my little uh, organization, Next Gen Inc., can work with you, like just in terms of yep. everything you're describing is essentially outreach. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. Like just in yep. terms of it, getting more people involved and and giving people the tools to be great gamers, you know, which in a lot of ways is what my organization does, except with, just with kids, you know, trying to get little, you know, toy soldiers. <laughs> yep. There's that phrase again, you know, getting getting those into kids' hands and showing them how much fun, you know, you can really have with this with this amazing hobby. No, definitely. I, I think um, want to just to should have changed the <laughs> approach. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and turn the the uh, spotlight back. Um, when I first heard about um, Next Gen, it was like where the places you're going and the things that you're doing um, at those places is super exciting because it, whenever you normally talk to wargamers or wargaming companies and say. Hey, you should do something to maybe bring in some more, some, some new blood, some, um, people who haven't seen wargaming before. And it's like, Oh yeah, you're right. So let's run a demo game at the next wargaming convention. Yeah. Where there's no kids. <laughs> there's, there's no, no kids or it's like everybody here already knows what it is. Yeah. You're not, you're not reaching out. So the working with, with teachers, working with librarians, working with people who are regularly in contact with young people who don't know about wargaming. It's like, that's, how did nobody else see this before? <laughs> Why no, it's it? a good, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I look, dude, I've been pondering <laughs> that. I've been a, I've been associated with HMGS for a very long time and yep. huge kudos to them. I mean, like next gen wouldn't exist without the larger organization, but it is a sure. question I've asked myself many, 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 many times. Like, why are there no young people at these conventions? Which again is like a whole nother can. It's like a can of worms, you know. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Probably, um, probably about five or six years ago, I was at. Um, I think I was at Fall In, and I in the the old Lancaster host, uh, and I walked down the stairs and I was walking down towards the main um, main room, and I stopped for a second. And I looked around and I said. Oh, this is really good. It's really good to see a lot of younger people here, a lot of mm -hmm. people who are who are more my age. And then I stopped and I thought, oh no, I've just got old. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave Taylor, on that note, uh, dude, it was so nice talking to you. And uh we'll have to uh we'll have to connect at Historicon. And I'm very yeah, serious. Definitely. I think um with all the publishing you're doing, um, yep. I think there's there's a lot of ways that we could kind of kind of work together in small in small in small ways and maybe even a couple of big ones too so yeah no that sounds fantastic yeah, and i really yeah. mean this you've done an enormous amount for the hobby i mean um everything that you've described today is super important and you know it's like it's like putting a good record out of music uh out there you know like it'll never go away so like all the books you're putting yeah. out all the videos of you and interviews with you i mean somebody 20 years from now is gonna 
look back at some of these conversations and be inspired to do something. So I really mean that. <clears throat> I, I'm sorry. As, as I said, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm super passionate about it. And hopefully, um, and I always like, also like to think that it's, I'm, I don't know everything. So having conversation with somebody about when they're getting into the hobby or whatever it happens to be, it's like, I can ask them questions and I can yeah. learn more about them and, and what's, what's driving them and why they want to do this and what they help, need help with and how I, how we can get them more embedded in, in toy soldiers. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I just love it. It's a, I could talk about it for, for hours, obviously. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm literally <laughs> forcing myself to stop this podcast. I know, I know. So. We should, we should stop now. <laughs> no, no, no. It was amazing talking to you. So again, um, for everybody out there, um, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. And I guess the last point. So Dave, if, um, if people want to quote unquote, find you not in a creepy way, but find you on the net, um, where would be the best place for someone to reach out to you and how, the, I guess the, um, probably the, the two best places are either on, um, Facebook or Instagram, okay. uh, Dave Taylor miniatures. Uh, you'll find those pages there. You can message me through either of those. Um, typically, Facebook, the Facebook page will have um, projects that I'm working on or people that I'm working with. Um, when I say projects, I mean uh, that Dave Taylor Miniatures is working on. Uh, the Instagram stuff will have Dave Taylor Miniatures stuff as well as my personal hobby stuff. Cool. So. All right. Sounds good. All right, Dave. Well, hopefully I'll see you at Historicon. All right. Yeah, definitely. All right. See you later. And everybody out there, I uh, hope you enjoyed the pod. Have a good Thanks, one. Thanks, everybody. All righty. Thank you so much for listening to today's 20 sided gamified podcast. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www.nasaga.org. My Instagram handle is HMGS underscore nextgen underscore inc. Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and roll some 20s. Thank you so much.